God's abundance, grace, and mercy be yours today and always through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, uh, as I was looking at those beautiful flowers again, I was very focused on Mickey and celebrating her, but also and very much happy that uh, they also recognize uh, Randy finishing up successfully his chemo treatments, and we're so thrilled about that as well, and certainly thrilled for the family uh, as we have many good things coming up in the coming year. So today we're, we're starting, as I mentioned to you, this aspect of being generous and with a treasury fund. And if you want to be thinking, seize, celebrate. And by the way, when you go over for coffee and donuts, check out the wall on the right as we continue to think about our own ministry, our own mission map, which is a very personal part of who we are growing and, and uh, being uh, living out of the grace of God and Jesus Christ and even looking at his life as such a great pattern for us to grow in grace and love in Jesus. And so that's next door as well. And today I wanted to kind of start out mostly with a story or at least uh, an expression of personal things. And I guess the reason I want to use this, it's not about Harvey, but I, I want you to kind of think about Harvey in light of, uh, of some of us who certainly experienced uh, in a different way what this, this sermon message is going to mean than others. But I also want you to be thinking about this because some of us may need to embrace a little bit of this today. It may be a little hard for some. Others might not be so hard. Um, I do want you to be aware and be thinking about people in your lives because I know uh, when we weren't flooded, for those of us who didn't experience that, um, we may forget, you know, whether it's a brother uh, in our family or parents or uh, siblings of other, anyway, any type that this is, this is kind of an important time. I have a feeling if you talk to a lot of the, the folks, it may not be this moment, but I've been noticing that as we're keep reaching that five-month mark this week, I'm noticing and hearing the, some of the same comments and statements from folks that I know we ourselves are experiencing. And it's interesting, Ursula mentioned to me this morning earlier that one year ago today we moved into our house. Seven months ago, uh, or five months ago this week, we moved out of our house. And... I just want us to be thinking a little bit about, you know, what our things, our life, our possessions, what that looks like, and, and kind of see it through the prism of those who experienced Harvey. And certainly my story is different than anyone else sitting here as I see various ones in the room who experienced this. And, and I, I remember uh, just thoughts about self, and, and I think there's not only the emotional aspect, but there's also the spiritual and many other pieces. So let me say this, is if you were through going through Harvey, uh, what you might, might be finding right now is that five months in, you're hitting a wall. You're hitting a mental wall where uh, things aren't real clear. I say, um, a lot more right now. I do silly things like forget napkins and uh, candles. Almost forgot the certificates. That part I went, whoa! Got to go back next door. There's a baptism today. Brought that over and never looked at this going, hey, we need a napkin and a candle and a box right here. Just. You may find emotionally you're more tired, angry. For some, the anger may be not directed anywhere in particular. And for some, the anger might be at circumstances of what's been done or not done by those that we may know or not know of. I think for those who are living in various parts of Houston who, uh, you know, they open various dams and things that the anger might be very directed. 
we're just two and a half to three weeks away from moving into our house. And in some ways we couldn't be more excited, in some ways we couldn't be less excited. Because it just is. It's like, whoop-de-doo. Some are moving into the house maybe from an apartment. Some have been living in it. We have not been living in it by God's grace and help from others and, and assistance and things that have happened there. And, and that's been a good thing. Of course, especially at one story, there was nowhere to squeeze. But I, so I've been praying for those of you who've had to live in the second story while the first story is being put back together. And I can't imagine how hard that is. So as I'm saying a few of these things, I hope what you're doing is you're thinking of people in your lives. And if you went through it yourself, you're not feeling alone and sensing that whatever craziness is going on in your head is just you. So I'm going to put it, and I've got something to send some of you, or those of you who are flooded, and if any of the rest of you like it, I can send it too. They're uh, talking about it as being like uh, PTSD. And I think this is the first, well, not the first, it's one of many waves of emotions and trying to wrestle with the emotional, wrestling with the spiritual, and just wrestling with the day-to-day -day stuff that you have to go through. So how does that fit with being generous with the treasury fund? Well, I'm going to take you back for a moment. It's just I remember when we walked in the door on Wednesday morning, and I'd been in there last on Sunday night when there was four inches of water, and there was a few things floating. But by Wednesday morning, we'd seen the refrigerator picked up, unplugged and dumped face forward on the kitchen floor which I guess was okay because at least everything wasn't floating out but you can't imagine how bad it was to open that dang refrigerator even after a couple of days I remember seeing things floated into the uh, den and you know the chairs had turned over tables had turned over uh, things that I thought were too heavy to move had picked up and moved uh, the did you hear that uh, uh, the <laughs> aspect of watching things that had been in other rooms that ended up there, which was just the first and more to come. We tried to be smart and put uh, things like photographs and things up higher, like on beds, but the water went higher, so it just simply wicked through the boxes, up through wedding pictures, baby pictures and things. And I know you guys lived through that, whether it was us or somebody else, but you know, it does make you think, if you can begin to kind of get your arms around it, is you start to think about the things of life, don't you? This treasury fund is thinking about our relationship to God and the things that he has for us in store. We, we say that, you know, in the first article of the creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that if we look at Luther's explanation that we believe that God has given us all things, house and home, spouse, children, parents. And so how do we utilize that stuff? How do we connect to that? And, and sometimes, and some of you may have been through a fire or another flood or someplace, but when that hits us, we may to a degree begin to try and figure out how, what's our relationship to God and what's our relationship to that which he's made. And Jesus here is dealing with that whole picture here because of the, the aspect of Matthew 6 that I just read. It's in your bulletin there again that you can read where he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, or we could add in there where floods come in and wash out. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. Well, let me pause here because I don't want anybody to think just because you're grieving the loss of things that you have an idolatry there or that that's a bad thing. God is the giver of good things. It makes sense to grieve that emotionally, but it, you do also begin to question what is your relationship to that stuff because you still have to figure out how to walk away from that. So the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Well, just strike that word out. It does not say money. Okay? So I'm not going to get real deep into all the words here, but it does not say money. The word that some of you might remember in the King James was mammon, which you kind of went, what the heck? But mammon, or, which is a better description, really is describing anything material, those things that we have in life. Some people think of it as ill-gotten stuff, things that we've gone out of line for, but it really isn't. It's just really the material world. And so what he's saying here is you cannot serve God and the material world. So we are in this world, we have this world, we enjoy this world that God has given us, and yet the question becomes this, you cannot serve God and the material world. And so whether you are flooded or not, whether you're dealing with friends, family, loved ones, your neighbor across the street who got it but you didn't, we all have to deal with this question in life, and we happen to have Harvey at this time that came through and at least raised up our idea of what these things mean and how we deal with that. So, you know, what is your relationship? This is my question. As I'm dealing with this question, not just even Harvey, if I'm dealing with this whole question of you cannot serve God and the material world, what are the questions? So my question, first of all, for myself is this. What is your relationship to the Creator? See, this is the whole thing about that C, celebrate, is how am I related to God who has given and made those things? What is it in my life that reflects that God is first? Now, he says here in a moment, you know, there's that aspect of, of uh, treasures, verses 19 21. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You lay up yourself treasures in heaven. So it's not a question of having those things, but the idea of laying up is this, that I am setting those as so important that I put them in place of God. Those of you who have been through our children's or youth confirmation, you know, when we talk about the first commandment, it just simply says, have no things, nothing other than God as first. No other gods, no other things, nothing except for God. And we all kind of go, well, that's, 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 that's what I do because I come to church. I'm sorry. That don't cover it. It's asking the question about what is first, the creator or the creation. Without throwing creation away and becoming a little monk who goes off and hides in the hills and wears one robe the whole time and says, see, I've given that all up. That wasn't God's intention either. You see the whole couple chapters in Genesis where God is encouraging and saying, it's all good. It's what God made for us to enjoy and relate to. Sin has brought something else into it. But we never want to move the creation in front of the creator. So, you know, you have to ask, what is your relation to the creator? And in terms of this question of our treasury fund, that's how all the good gifts of God, I think about in terms of how is my time 
used for God? How is my treasure used for God? How is my talents, how is my passions used for God? What's your relationship to the creation? Is it an outgrowth of that relationship or do we easily get focused on those things that we have, those pieces that we can see? He says, you know, the eye is the lamp of the body. Well, as soon as you start using language around the eye, you just realize it is so much easier for us to to love what we can see, right? What we can see, we can love because we we can enjoy that, we can have that. I think we have an idolatry at our house around our dog. I know many of you know that. But, but it's, it's because, you know, we see her and we experience her and, and she is just like a kiss from heaven every time. It's embarrassing. But we take videos of us showing up so we can show each other how she reacts to us. We have pictures because she's getting laser treatments on the leg she tore an ACL on. She's getting laser treatments so she gets these cute little glasses so she doesn't look at the laser. We share that around the family. I mean, it's so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling you this. We, we compare how she relates to each one of us as we walk up because if they open the door, for some reason she will run to Ursula, who is always her favorite, oh well, and... If she sees me, she like runs circles around on the rug but won't come at me. I don't know why. Erin comes home at 10 o'clock at night. She's usually laying at the foot of the bed near Ursula. And she gives him a nod. What up? Doesn't walk to him at all. Or seldom. Now, she's a great gift of God. But you see the idolatry that can kind of build up around something as simple as a puppy? Yes, the most beautiful, wonderful dog in the world. But... My goodness, what is your relationship to the creation? What is it? Because we will lose that lovely little dog and probably look for days and weeks and months at pictures of her with little silly glasses and laying everywhere in the world. What is our relationship to our creation? What was the relationship and Harvey to that stuff? I kept saying as people came through, it's just stuff, it's just stuff. Did I have to tell myself that or was I telling somebody else that? What is it? What does my eye see? And he says the eye is the light to the soul. And it also, if it's covered with darkness, and I think that darkness is simply that. What becomes the picture? What is in front of me, the creator or the creation? Where is your treasure? You know, what can we afford to lose? What can we afford to lose? What is it that we believe we can afford to lose? What is that? thing. And uh, Martin Luther wrote a long time ago in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress, uh, fourth verse, I don't know if you pay attention to this, but I always remember singing this particular verse with just gusto because it, it, it sang out this way. God's word forever shall abide, no thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the spirit. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom ours remaineth. What can you afford to lose? Luther put it in the sense of if we lose all. Because the picture is how healthy 
is your eyesight? How well can you see? Those of you who are experiencing, you know, everything from cataracts on a milder level to macular degeneration where your world is being shrunk down as that continues to have its impact, understand the importance of eyesight. In understanding the importance of eyesight, realize what we see is what we gather in. And here, as we see the creation, the things of life, and how it impacts, because when it comes to my time, my calendar, what I can see of what I have and don't have, I want to shrink it down to where it's best for me and not for the Creator. And again, for those of you who experienced Harvey, you know how your calendars looked, right? I have to add every day extra trips to extra places to either get things, open doors, nothing simple. Today, before I came to church, I make a run all the way to the house. I pick up the paper. I pick up the Amazon Prime stuff on the house. I didn't go in today because there are fumes from paint that would kill me. So I just looked in the window. But you know how it is loss of a spouse there's suddenly all this stuff dumped on your plate taking care of a mother who's in a home now you have to make that run every day to take care of that having a loss of a job and you're trying to deal with life at home and you're trying to look for employment things that have changed because you moved and it was a good thing but it's so stressful because all this stuff is added our time and then you know our treasure how do we look at what we give to God and we see the creator who has given it to us all or are we saying God why would you want anything from me why would I give to the church why would I give to this organization why would I give to a mission why would I give to something somewhere else when I feel like I'm the mission God and God would say are, are you really the mission or are you living it out because of your love for me how healthy is your life, eyesight? And what is your treasure? Is my treasure Ursula? She t I treasure her more than anything else in the world, even the dog. My kids, my things. You might say, I have no problem with things, but we sure like success and people look at us and say, wow, they've made it. Or is it control to be controlling my life in every piece and part? And I want to be able to say what everything is happening and I lose it when I lose control. What is your treasure? See, what or whom will you serve? That's the question at the end. What or whom will you serve? What or whom do you want to, con to control? I believe that most of the time, for most Americans, we want to control God. And we do it this way through prayer. We tell God what is good for us and good for others, and then we just throw in, thy will be done, just to kind of sanctify it. And then if it doesn't go that way, we're mad at God because, God, I prayed for that, and you didn't do it like I told you. We wouldn't say it that way, but that's basically it. We don't say to God, what would you like me to do? How would you like me to give? How would you like me to serve? We treat him like an ATM. This is what I need, God. And so when we see this passage and we begin to understand how God works and we begin to even hear these words, you cannot serve God and material things, I am so glad that God is not self-serving, that God is not trying to serve himself by saying, just take a look at what I've done, that God is there to serve us, that the whole point of the cross, his whole generosity is to give to us. And even when I take that, I misuse it and I abuse it and I place it in the wrong spot and I look at it in the wrong way, God doesn't withhold his generosity from us. Even when we're standing in the middle of our house and we see all the things we thought were important to us washing away, stinky, stank, stunk, he does not lack in giving us the resources of the people 
who stand beside us, the people who pray for us, the people who come in with us. The biggest blessing I found was the people who walked up and said, I'd like to do something for you and did that. The people who stood in there and even if I wasn't tearing up, they were tearing up as they were throwing that stuff out. I love those resources of God, those gifts, that generosity of God by which he works and that God is serving you and me. That generosity cannot be outdone. We have a team going out this in the week to come, and, and, and you know the fact that we're attentive to the community still, and I would encourage you when opportunities come down the road to say, Lord, how can I be generous of spirit to those who feel lost and all by themselves and still locked? Help me to say, yes, we're almost in our house, even though I feel guilty because there are those who won't be in their house yet. When we've experienced losses of ourselves, let us remember the goodness of God, the goodness of him giving his son, Jesus, the goodness of the cross, the goodness of his heart, the goodness of forgiveness that we experienced as he, we heard those words spoken as though God himself said, you are forgiven. If I understand the treasury fund, I see all that God has given, and it becomes to the creators. Proverbs 11 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Deuteronomy 8, where it says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Wow, that one pops me right in the face. I want to say, no, it's me who does that. And it says, it's God who even gives you the power, and he confirms his covenant with you. And then Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. 2 Corinthians 9, each one has to give as they've decided, but not as a reluctant type of thing or under compulsion, not because of guilt or you have to do this, but God loves a cheerful giver. And I just love that phrase because the cheerfulness of God who loves to give to us. As we think about how we give of ourselves, as we give of our offerings, as we give to anything, my prayer is that our generosity would abound because God's generosity is there. We've got a little fun thing for you to pick up later. And you might find it a little challenging. I don't say it's even all correct. Uh, there, there may be things you say, that doesn't sound quite right. That's okay. Read this. It's called Generosity, How God's Radical Grace Changes Our Perspective on Money and Possessions. It's a little blue book. Take one per family for now. If you think somebody else needs it, wait till we float through the congregation one or two weeks here before we take more out. But uh, it's, it's short. It's a 20-day devotional, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And I hope it challenges us, too. Just as God invites us by the generosity of his gifts on the cross, that invites us to be generous and utilize the treasury fund of our life, our time, our talents, our money to make a difference and impact in the world. Let's pray. Father, I do give thanks to you. I, I pray for our community because even those who were not flooded, we have been impacted immeasurably. I pray for the people of Beaumont and Port Arthur who have not only been as impacted as the rest of us, but have felt alone and incapable of being able to move forward and so much in, in many ways behind those of us in the Spring Woodlands, Kingwood uh, area that experienced this devastation. I pray for the church at large that we continue to come and be and surround those who are hurting 
And for those of us who are hurting, that we're able to share those hurts and receive of your grace and share the blessings as we see them going forward, that you help us to embrace, whether it's our lack of focus, our tiredness, our anger, or whatever feelings that we have today, that we can embrace it and put it into your hands because you are a good and great God who can take that and more. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We rise.